0: To the cloud. All right, welcome back to Healthier Vibrations. I'm Dr. Christy Smurl, and today we're going to be doing a podcast called Forging the Spiritual Vessel. And our guest speaker today is Julia Persike. Thank mm-hmm. you for joining us, Julia.
1: Yes, thank you for having me.
0: So, I first want to give you proper introduction, and I wrote down quite a few things, and I want to make sure that I don't miss anything. So Julia is currently residing in Las Vegas, Nevada, where she owns and operates her own holistic Ayurvedic business, and her entire life has been centered around health and nutrition. Now, Julia holds a Master in Ayurvedic Medicine from the Southern California University of Health Sciences, and also has a concentration in Ayurvedic Obstetrics and Women's Health from Arya Ayurvedic Panchakarma Clinic. She's also a recognized member of NAMA and has a BFA in dance from the University of Iowa. Now, Julia is also a martial artist and has been so for the past 11 years, and she instructs on technique, conditioning, as well as yoga for fighting. Now, as far as being a personal trainer, she's been doing that for over 13 years, In addition to being an Usui Reiki master, a massage therapist, a sports nutritionist, as well as a RYT500 certified yoga instructor. Right now you're teaching yoga to the United States Air Force at the Nellis Air Force Base, but The way that I really want to make sure people know how to get in contact with you, too, is through your business, The Practice, an Ayurvedic healing company, where um, you're currently offering treatments, Ayurvedic consultations, but in addition, also personal training, Reiki, bodybuilding instruction, and overall life coaching. And I know you've been my trainer for almost two years now and i watched you go through this massive metamorphosis and you recently were in the Jay cutler classic npc bodybuilding competition where you placed second and fourth as well in your categories but i want to go on to introduce you in the sense that i know you as completely dedicated to ayurveda wellness and health and creating this basis of knowledge where you can keep the healthy healthy and meet people where they're at to start creating higher levels of health so thank you very much for coming and speaking with us today now um, earlier this year you co-taught a class with me on ayurvedic lifestyles and advanced lifestyles and we really focused heavily on How to forge the spiritual vessel, how to create the physical conditioning of the body that's necessary for bringing forth this truer essence of health. Not only in our physical look, but our physical endurance, strength, and overall mental health, emotional health, and moving into this spirituality as well with it. So, I wanted to start off asking and letting our listeners get a feel for that kind of concept of where do you start in physical fitness? Because everybody says, oh, I'm going to start Monday, or I'm going to start next month, or I'll start on New Year's Day. And for me, you gave me tremendous motivation. When I first started training with you, I would say things like, I don't have time, I don't have the energy, I don't have the desire, I don't have the motivation, or I would say things to myself like, I can't because of a laundry list of physical injuries that I had had, and somehow, somehow you miraculously were able to get me to do it. So where do you suggest that people start off to get this this motivation, this determination to move into a true physical fitness sadhana?
1: Um, so, yeah. So most people, when they jump into fitness, they think, It's an all or nothing kind of thing. So they jump in and they want to go every single day for the next two to three weeks. And then you see them fall off. That's where even um, New Year's resolutions start to fail because they create this huge picture of what they see themselves as, but they actually don't have the self-discipline to sit with themselves and create a concrete plan, not only in a long-term sense, but in a small-term sense. So my biggest recommendation when people are first starting is to make sure that they, first off, find something that they like, because if they don't like it, then they're not going to do it. A lot of people read articles or go to classes because someone told them to go with them, and then they really don't like what they're doing. So it's a high impact on every being if they actually pick an exercise or a form that they like. Some exercises make people angry. <laughs> and they're not going to go back. Some people don't like bodybuilding. Some people don't like martial arts. Some people love swimming. Some people hate swimming. So it's a matter of finding the niche that you like and committing yourself to it on a very self-disciplined basis. A lot of people don't understand that fitness is not something that you just do every now and then. You have to wake up in the morning just like um if you are practicing meditation or if you are practicing prayer work or journaling or self discovery or self um, revamping, then you have to dedicate yourself in a specific amount of time every single day to get you to that goal. Now, let's say you do start a bodybuilding regimen. I never encourage people to do it every single day, right off the bat, anywhere from one to three days when you're first starting. So you've you've created a goal of, okay, uh, the next week, these three days, I'm going to do 30 minutes of fitness, you know, or even just one day and then the rest of the week you're walking. So you just get the body to start. Once the body has started, now we're in momentum. That should last at least 30 days. If it's not lasting 30 days, then we're actually just creating, again, just a, a, a partial habit, not a habitual ritual. So uh, as we've talked before, habit is created over 120 days. It's never that 30 day. You know, we do have a lot of these programs that are, are promoting lose this much in this many days, but then we see the failure happen after the fact because you haven't actually created the habit. You've only created this momentary satisfaction, not long-term, life-term satisfaction. You know, fitness for me, I used to, I used to say this, fitness for me, I don't understand why my brain wraps around it like, that's just something that I do. And having people sit in front of me and go, I've never worked out before, or I don't know how, it, it, it doesn't exist in my life because I've been doing it, you know, I, I started off in dancing at the age of five and consistently having that self-discipline. So you do have to always go back to the fact that it is self-discipline. It's self-discipline every single day and reawaking yourself into going, I'm going to do it. And if you don't do it, then you start to see yourself fall off again. So my biggest encouragement when people are first starting is to set a base at least for 30 days, work out three days a week. Then if you want to increase it, then you increase it and then you increase it again. And then you increase it again until you're working out every single day for 30 minutes to an hour.
0: Now, you know, I always see and hear people say, okay, well, I'm going to put together a regimen and I'm going to do it. But then that Monday comes around and They don't do it or you do it for two, three days and then just stop. And and I think that so many people fall behind in their physical practice and being able to forge this spiritual body because either they're just not holding themselves accountable or they just really don't want it. I'm not sure sometimes which it is. And people will say, you know, how have you gotten the motivation to do it? I usually just blame you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. and, And I, I do believe that. I think that if you are not one to hold yourself to your own accountabilities then you do need to hire someone, I am the type of trainer, as you know, I don't point the finger and I don't force. I'm not the type of person and I don't think that it should be developed that way. I think if you encourage enough in a very peaceful way, you're almost guiding the person into them developing that mental mind frame without being scolded or scorned or put down for not doing. And, you know, growing up as a dancer, I just read a beautiful article about this. You get put into this um, box where you're always consistently needing to be a perfectionist or needing to paint this picture or, or always having to show up. And that's not what training is about. Training is about loving yourself and giving yourself that, that momentum to actually encourage yourself to be a better version of yourself. And that's when it becomes more of a sadhana and you're waking it up. You're waking yourself up to, I'm going to be better today than I was yesterday. And the trainer that you're working with shouldn't be yawning, shouldn't be talking a lot during your session, shouldn't be um, giving you the same work that they're giving everybody else. People have to understand everyone is a unique individual as well. So to mold each person is also very different. So if I'm able to sit with you emotionally, mentally, and physically, and I'm able to understand that sometimes we do have injury or emotional upsets that sit in the body, and we just have to move through them together and be in gentle nature with each other. Because if I'm forcing you to do it, then you're more than likely going to backlash at me. I've, I've also had clients where uh, I can't say I'm easy either. <laughs> so if I'm gonna give it to you, it's because I care about you, and I know that you can do it. So if I've seen you push yourself that hard, I'm going to push yourself that hard again. And whether you like me or not for the first couple months is besides the point. It's, it's. Trainers are there to care for you, guide you, and get you to the next level. Um, I guess that's another thing I should say. If you do hire a personal trainer and you've been with them for two to four years and you haven't seen any result, can them. Get rid of them. They're not there for you they're there for a paycheck. And that's a totally different type of trainer than someone that's going to actually develop you as a human being and raise you into that next level. I prefer to work with people six months to a year max. A lot of my long-term clients is because we stay obligated and we keep moving in more directions. It's never, I'm going to keep you on the same plan for two years. I mean, you know this, we've been working on multiple facets of how to create the body in a different. Um, frame so that you get to, again, another higher level every time you're working on something new.
0: Yeah, and that's so important. You know, I know when I first reached out to you, my biggest concern was not necessarily my physical appearance, although I had become overweight, Um, my main focus was to try to re-sculpt my vessel so that I could handle some of the energy currents that I work with in my spirituality. And, you know, I needed the person who was going to help me. They had to really understand that concept that I wasn't trying to have, you know, a perfect body or necessarily outstanding strength. I just had to meet myself where I was at and start gradually building strength where I didn't have it previously. But I wondered if you could share for a moment about the importance of creating the physical vessel, the the tissues, the dhatus, the koshas, as a spiritual practitioner as well.
1: So when we are released in, we'll call it more of a kapha body, We tend to be sluggish and slow and we don't allow ourselves that internal fire that drives um, as a deep internal vessel or container for what can hold a lot more practices in our spiritual realm. So, you know, a lot of the time if we are too heavy in one area, we're not able to even accomplish other areas. In general, you know, even in Ayurvedic school, we talked about this. People that have more muscle in their body generally are healthier. They just they're they're driven. They're they're more pitta, more rajasic, They're able to go. Now, as we attune to what that is, right, our physical form and that muscularity, uh, obtaining that spiritual side of peace and and um, lightness in the body. Now you can have literally doing anything like lifting 150 pounds without feeling strained stressed so it's it's it goes both ways i think so for the practitioner that's moving into a spiritual realm you're developing that muscular tissue for full circulation of not only your prana but your blood flow everything like that the physical body is able to move itself in the right direction along with moving that kundalini energy quite easily but then you also have the bodybuilder who, if they understand the spiritual side, they understand that prana needs to be had for the physical realm. Otherwise you dry out or you get too irritable. So if both sides learned the, the benefit, you know, that's why I love teaching yoga to fighters or yoga to athletes because it's the yin and yang. You need both. And if you can't complete that as a whole, then you're only literally focusing yourself in one form, either mental, emotional, or physical they are all needing to be attained as one thing in order for you to be the highest thing that you are. Otherwise we're stuck in spots. And you understand that because when your body wasn't where it needed to be to move you into a higher spiritual space, we engaged it. And now you're just, you're flying, you know, now it's just, it's so easy for you to attain Spiritual alignment because your vessel is like, I'm awake, I'm ready, I'm alive. And I think that's why we need strength in spiritual um, attainment.
0: Yeah. And I remember when um, you were class with me, we were talking about how the layers of the body, you know, we start off with our core body, our vessel, our Anamaya Kosha. And then we also look at the distribution of health within the DATUs. And, you know, when I was at 190 pounds and should have been much closer to 150, that 40 pounds of extra fat tissue really... was not serving my spiritual practices. And I believe actually began to weaken my nervous system. My, you know, we have those seven layers as you already know, the Rasa Raka, Mamsa Me, the Sucra and the Maja, all the different layers. And when the fat tissue is too high or the muscle tissue is too depleted or too weak, the nervous system is not necessarily as solid for spiritual practices. And I really have to thank you for bringing that integration for me. Um,
1: but and you know, I, I, I want to say something on that also, um, just for, for our bodybuilding type of audience. Uh, there is a place you have to stop. There is a place that muscularity development goes too far. And then you actually are blocking the nervous system on the other side. So there's over mass and overweight. Both are not necessarily good for the nervine system. Both have blockage issues. So you're really good about that in in, in understanding which weight you sit at best for your spiritual attainment. And a lot of people will just keep going, going, going. I'm partially a culprit of this. You know, I over exude myself a lot of the time in the physical body. And I have to reconnect back into my spiritual, emotional, mental body at times, because when you are a fitness person, and that's all you've ever known, you keep trying to get to that perfectionist zone of where fitness can take you, as we know, doing bodybuilding competition that takes you to your completeness and perfection. But I mean, doing that, and understanding that that's all about ego, I mean, that 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 it's about aesthetic. That's all bodybuilding competitions are. So it was almost uh, a little bit humorous for me being on that stage and having such a high spiritual development and observing, you know, and not being attached to the result. I was actually just smiling on stage just because I was like, I'm here and I did this and it had nothing to do anymore with the aesthetic for me. I didn't need to be perfect up there. I actually felt it was something that I worked for because my my life path went that way, you know, as opposed to doing it because I needed to show show off or show up to something other than myself.
0: Right, you know, but it, it's such a motivating accomplishment, you know. I know for me, when I first started out, you had asked how many pounds do you want to lose, and I was like, mm, ten to fifteen, but once I reached five. 10, 15, the motivation got there because in the beginning, I just, I had all the typical excuses. I'm too busy. I have a family. I have a child. I have a life. I have a job. I have responsibilities. And it wasn't until I really became fully committed to myself on a spiritual level, on a physical sadhana level that I got there but it was the way that you crafted the motivation that was priceless. So, you know, I wanted to ask also, there was one statement you always said, if it was easy, everybody would do it. And, you know, what what would you recommend for people who keep making excuses, keep making resolutions, but never get down to the brass tacks of doing it? Or they they set these small goals and maybe achieve them and then stop. Or -hmm. they set too big of a goal and never reach it.
1: So my biggest thing for that, as you know, is tracking. Tracking yourself. You know, like we live in a beautiful world that's a double-edged sword of, of media and technology, right? But there's plenty of apps out there that can actually help you monitor yourself every single day. And sometimes... People get that OCD just about that. Like, oh, I have too many macros there, too much protein, too many carbohydrates. You know, understanding where you sit in numerology is a lot more effective than just kind of nebulously thinking I'm going to. When you actually have it on paper and you see it laid out, that's a perfect way to start uh, concentrating yourself. And again, do it for 30 days and then you want to do it for 60 days and then you want to do it for 90 days and then you want to do it for 120 days. Mind you, at that 30 days, that's just something that's been put in your head, right? It's just there. It's kind of lingering. Your 60 days, it's becoming a part of you. You're doing it, right? At 90 days, it's lifestyle. You're, you're, You're finally in the lifestyle. So reiterating that, 90 days, that's three months at least that you have to be in that lifestyle. At 120 days, it's a part of you. It's not even calling it lifestyle anymore. You just you wake up and you do it there's there's not even a question in your head whether you're 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 going to or not now on the 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 motivational end how i generally work with my clients is you see it always at the beginning you know i send out a lot of affirmations i send out motivational videos i send out songs that are like yeah let's do this you know even in some of my classes i still like to play songs that like, i'm going to be a legend you know and it's it's also about not Uh, fogging yourself with just doing the exercise. It's surrounding yourself with it. It's constantly like putting up post-it notes and, and constantly observing yourself in that way. So if you don't see yourself as that, you won't be that, you know, a lot of people, they just go, okay, I'm going to work out tomorrow, but they don't, they don't believe it. There's, it's not here yet. They're just working out because they think they have to. You know, I should eat healthy because I was told I should be eating healthy. I should work out because I was told I should work out. Now, I mean, even in Ayurveda, we talk about that. You know, Vata people, they move very fast. They're quick and they're constantly moving. So if I give them aggressive exercise, such as run every single day, they will love it, but I will deplete them. So there's a whole part of even holistic sciences that need to be seen and observed in uh, the relationship to exercise so that people also feel in balance while they're doing it. You know, even, even though I'm, I'm working with several of you women right now, all of you are very different. And I, I have to observe that in a very, again, unique individual basis. Just like with your diet, same thing with your exercise. You are a unique individual and you need to be treated as such, otherwise you will fail. And you have to look at yourself and be in tune with your physical body personally. I've seen people also go in with injury and you know they, they are so uh, obsessive compulsive or perfectionist that they wear themselves so thin that they just stop. So it's also about observing and honoring yourself as a sacred being while you do this process. If you are tired, take a break, take some rest. Rest is prominent in physical fitness and in holistics. So it's also good to encourage yourself to take that rest now if i, I say that phrase if it, you know if it were easy everyone would do it because it is something that is manifested in the physical body the mental body and the emotional body physical fitness can break you down emotionally it can make you feel as though you are less than what you thought you were. (laughs) I've had clients cry. I've had clients break down and say, I can't do this. I've had people vomit in my classes. It's not something that I'm like encouraging, but it may happen. And if it does, it's more about the observation of it as opposed to giving up. And when people give up, that's when they fail. And you have to, it's like the window. There's the window. You're looking at how you want to be but a lot of people go around it they don't want to observe it they don't want to see it they don't want to connect to I mentally failed there I emotionally failed there I'm not perfect right and we're in that world of be perfect we're in that world of of social media that creates these filters so you have to look a certain way and be a certain way and in, in reality that's not reality you know it's connecting to yourself and actually getting off of some of those apps and being healthy even in that way so that you can observe yourself in your best form. Not everybody else's best form, but yours. And another good thing about, you know, having a trainer is they should be there to hold your hand and encourage you along the way until you're ready to go, okay, I don't need your hand anymore, you know? And that's that's really, I mean, it's a challenge. It's hard. It's not easy. But I have to say that for spirituality as well. Spirituality development is also, it's dark. It can be tremendously hard on the ego, tremendously hard on the self, right? It breaks you down. Fitness does the same thing. But when you go through it and you get through it, you get to that point where you just go, I am there and you keep going and you just don't stop. You just don't stop.
0: Yeah. You know, that's really hard for me in the beginning. And I think that a lot of listeners may identify, um, there's going to be some who are really strong and able already, but for some people who are just starting out, there were days where I had to just pick up a two pound weight and it was really discouraging. It really affected the way I saw my fitness at first. And I think that the way that you encouraged and the way I think that all trainers should encourage is you just start where you are. And you really met me where I was at and you know, now I'm up to uh, in the hundreds of some exercises. And I think that, you know, when we start working out, like you said, sometimes we really feel weak or less than. And you always said to me over and over, that is weakness leaving your body. Instead of me griping and complaining, oh, I'm in pain, I can't do it, blah, blah, blah. You just kept saying that's weakness leaving your body. And again, that phrase, if it was easy, everybody would do it. So, you know, I I really, I think that one thing you seem to have this niche for is balancing that mental and emotional um, concept to create that motivation to just start it, to just do it. Um, I know that you would always send logs and lists and I would think to myself, I don't want a log and I don't want a list and I don't (laughs) want the I don't want to be told what to do was my big thing. I don't want to be told what to do, but I don't think I would have done it without that prompting and that encouragement. So, you know, what, what kind of, suggestions do you have for people other than hiring a personal trainer? Cause that's my only recommendation these days. Yeah. But to start immediately because everybody says I'm going to, I want to, I could see myself doing it. And I find that the average person, not, not the athlete necessarily just never start and never complete.
1: Yeah. So I think, you know, um, there's a lot of fitness classes out there, you know, and as I did gym sales at one point in my life. So, you know, the hardest part about someone signing up for the gym is the financial element, right. And stepping in the door. That's it. Those are the hardest things. You already got in the door. You took the free class. Now you have to commit to it. And that's, that's financial mean. So, you know, there's a part of the process that has to do with investment in yourself. And it doesn't matter if it's, I'm going to buy a treadmill for my house and I'm not going to hang laundry on it. (laughs) You know, it's about finding, even YouTube has tons of burn 500 calories, like hit interval types of trainings, right? So it's, it's picking something that you enjoy that you're going to invest your time in. You know, uh, even if it again is you, let's say you're severely overweight, my severely overweight clients. I always suggest them every day, 30 minutes to an hour, take a walk, start walking, just start doing something right. Um, when it comes to, you know, commitment though, I really think it, it, it delves in the idea of financial mean and what what you're willing to pay for it. How, how priceless are you, (laughs) you know? And I don't, I don't think a lot of people have that determination on their own. I, I, I was born this way. You know, I was brought into the world and I started, I started. my whole family was athletes. So I was bred into athleticism. I've never not known anything other than. So being a trainer, it, it has actually baffled my mind at points that like, why would you not do that? Why would you not? And, you know, one thing that you used to always say is, I get to today. You know, we have to go back to who you are as a healthy human being. You are perfectly capable to do this. And a lot of people go into, I could never, I, I just put on so much weight. I, I don't know where to start. Well, where do you start? Start studying. I mean, that's a whole thing of even spirituality, right? You pick up a sacred book and you start reading it and you, you kind of go, oh, I get what breathing means, you know, and it's like the baby steps. So pick up a book on fitness, start reading it, understand it, you know, if, if it if, if it has no connection mentally, then maybe it's time for you to pick something up that helps you connect to it mentally. Read articles on nutrition, read articles on fitness. I mean, as you know, I try to get you to that place so many times where I'm like, Christy, think about anatomy. Think about it in an anatomical way. Like here's my shoulder. I'm going to build it on the front and the top and the back. And that's how I train my clients. I see you as literally of just a skeletal skeletal format with muscle and where do i need to correct it because again every muscle develops differently too on every person but that's how i uh that's how i'm inspired i'm inspired by watching other people's body do like i wanted it to do because i can see the anatomy but that's where my inspiration comes from now for you to get inspiration it's about you looking in the mirror and going oh, I see that, and I see that, and I see that. And it doesn't take a week. It takes time. And it's also about understanding it takes time. It's not going to happen. You know, four weeks, you know, other people will actually start to see the change. There's there's a quote. It's like, four weeks, others start to see the change. Six weeks, you start to t- see the change, and eight weeks, you're changed. You know, like, it, it's, it's about noticing the little subtleties in the body. Another thing on that is, as you're noticing subtleties, only because I do this to myself, but as you notice those subtleties, it's not about having negative self-feedback. You're seeing that change, but that's not. And then you're, you're negative there, and then, and then it draws you down. It's about noticing what has changed positively and continually going, look at them shoulders, look at that butt, you know, like, and making sure that you go, wow, look at this today, you know, and, and not obsessing about the things that aren't changing, but obsessing about the things that are. So it keeps moving you in that direction.
0: Yeah. That was a big thing for me is that you were able to create that positive image and to kind of tear away the self-shaming as far as, Oh, I've gotten too big or I've gotten too weak and really helped move also through the the health shaming that you get. You know, maybe you're, you're used to hanging out with your friends and they like to do X, Y, Z, or even your family. And when you all of a sudden back into a different realm of your life and you start eating different, behaving differently and exercising differently, it changes your entire mindset. Mm. And sometimes, you know, we discuss this frequently. We run into this phenomenon of health shaming, which is even stranger, particularly when we're in the spiritual community, because, you know, if we're talking about forging the spiritual vessel. I, I see, and I know that you've also recognized it in the spiritual community, this concept that we can neglect the physical body and still be very highly spiritual. And yes, I know that we can be highly spiritual, but one of the things that I really wanted to make sure that people understood today is that we cannot ignore the physical body. And there's all these reasons why we do. And I hear people in the spiritual community say things like, well, I need to be 50 pounds overweight in order to contain my vessel. And at one point I almost found myself sliding into that mindset of, well, my coffin nature grounds my energy. And then one day I woke up and realized it was bull that, The extra weight was pulling away from my muscles, pulling away from my nervous system. And then same thing we see in the spiritual community, people who are just excessively lean, lanky, and undernourished. Mm -hmm. And you've really brought together all these concepts in my mind, not only to create the strongest spiritual vessel I can have. But that papas, that discipline that you generate has just been priceless. So I, you know, I I just really want to thank you for talking to everybody today and Mm. creating this, this fire within us to, to just start somewhere. And as you said, to, to set a goal and like you said, to write it down, create a plan and get started. I remember telling you a couple times when I work at the convalescent home and I walk down the hallways, there's people in wheelchairs, walkers, laying down in beds in the hallway. And I'd be sore going to work, grumbling under my breath. (laughs) I don't want to do this. And I remember one morning looking at the patients lining the hallway and I thought, they don't get to do this. It's too late. It's too late for them. And just as we on our deathbed, we look back at our life and we ask ourselves, why didn't I do that? How come I didn't do it? Now I don't get to. And what you've taught me is, I get to do this.
1: Well, and, and if you recognize, even in yourself and myself, when people see you now, it's a, I mean, it's a natural anti-ager. I mean, people have looked at you and said, "Whoa, it looks like you're, you're losing ages. Right. So, I mean, we, you talked about also this, the spiritual realm of of, um, how you develop that. And if you think about, uh, I just want to mention this, every spiritual frame starts, think about the chakras, right? Root, Svadhisthana, we start in the physical body. Then you think about the koshas. We start in the Anamaya kosha, right? So if everything in the spiritual books are saying, connect to your physical body first, and then you'll expand. A lot of these people that you were talking about, yes, you can be spiritual here, but sometimes that's spiritual bypassing, and it can be spiritual materialism because they don't even know who they are. They don't know their truest self if they're not even connected to the vessel they were given. And that's why I truly believe physical fitness is where you start when it comes to waking yourself up into the physical frame. The mind controls this. Yeah. But as you know, the gunas are available in all of those spheres. So physically you could be woke and maybe that's where you woke up first. I know that's where I woke up first. Some people wake up in the mental first, but they're the ones sitting in meditation all day long and they never get off their butt, right? And then there's the emotional people that love freely and they're always out just, you know, that's like your Saraswati very, I love, right? And so if you can understand that we, we awaken in the physical, the mental and the emotional, then you understand it's a package. It's not separate, it's a package. So if you are not woke in all three, you are not completely woke. And I think that's where we need to tie in the sadhana practice of physicality, mental and emotional states of learning how to be spiritual.
0: Yeah. And then to tie that in with uh, another comment, when we were teaching the class, you pointed out the fact that, you know, let's, let's just back up and look at basic yogic practices and the eight limbs of Patanjali's Yoga Sutras. You know, you have the yamas and the niyamas. And then where do we start with? Asana, the physical body, before you progress onto pranayama and concentration and meditation. And I know that was the main reason why I came to you. I said, you know, look, I'm, I'm over here in my practice, my spiritual practice, but my vessel can no longer contain what I'm working on. And so... You know, this creates this whole phenomenon of wanting to evolve in all these different layers, emotional involvement, spiritual involvement, moving with the mental, but having to ground down into that, that spiritual vessel, the anamaya kosha the physical body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much, Julia. Yeah. I always enjoy talking to you you're always <laughs> a tremendous motivator for me i uh, always giggle and affectionately call you the fire starter you know just need <laughs> that, that burn we need that tapas we need that discipline in life and you know like you always said just meet yourself where you are and get busy doing it
1: yes yeah <laughs> Oh,
0: thank you so much julia
1: yes thank you so, so much for having me if
0: any of you are interested in connecting with Julia, her um, website is called The Pract. Is that correct? Uh-huh. So P-H-E-P-R-A-C-T dot com, correct? Yes. yes. So um, I know for me, if you're interested in personal training... She lives all the way in Las Vegas. I'm in California. And we just called each other on Skype and arranged it online. And for me, I'm telling you, it was huge having a trainer looking right at me, keeping me responsible. How are you doing on your dailies? How are you doing on your discipline? How are you doing on your logging? Hey, where's your food journal? Where's your other journals? And if you're looking to start somewhere, I highly recommend getting with the program and... Of course, my highest recommendation is get a trainer. (laughs) Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Julia.
1: Thank you. Talk to you soon.
0: Bye.